You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I didn't uh, watch very much of that football game. Honestly, the only reason I turned on a little bit is I was getting some updates about how horrible Foles looked. So I was like, well, i got to watch this. And, you know, a little bit about how bad Brady and the Bucks look. And I saw the Bucks were barely just winning. It was, uh, it was a joy to watch, the little bit that I watched. I didn't see a ton. Um, it just looked like, from what I saw, uh, Foles was trying to force-feed Allen Robinson, and he was doing his best to drag this team. Um, I saw the back-shoulder attempt in which he kneed the football into the defender. It's just an absolute cluster. It's a mess. Then, I had the great pleasure. Well, two things happened when I woke up. One of them scared me to death, but the... the the really awesome thing is I woke up and saw the Bears actually came back and won. Not only that, Tom Brady had a meltdown and attacked his own team. You know, yelled at him or whatever, which isn't uncommon for Brady. But, you know, this isn't, this isn't New England. So let me, uh, let me expand. Let's, let's, let's expand each of these topics a bit. Why am I glad the Bears won? Number one, because I'm not scared of the Bears. They were a joke last night. They've been a joke pretty much all year. The problem with the Bears has always been they're a talented team that just needs a competent quarterback, and if they could get it, they can be dangerous. They don't have it. They got guys that flash for a quarter. I saw somebody saying last year, we should just play Trubisky for the first three quarters and put Foles in the fourth quarter because that's the only time the guy knows how to play football. And sure enough, the Bears come back and win. Tampa Bay is clearly the bigger threat, clearly the better team. Now, I've been saying since forever they're wildly overrated. I don't know why they're being put ahead of the Packers. I don't know why they're seen as automatic Super Bowl contenders. They were put like the second or third best team in the NFC, even though they're a garbage football team that dropped a geriatric at quarterback, and suddenly they're going to be elite, which again doesn't make any sense because they were the number one team in points and yards last year. The problem wasn't offense, it was defense. But hey, we brought in a quarterback that doesn't like to throw the ball deep, so we're probably not going to be first in points and, and first in yards anymore. Anymore, but hey, Tom Brady, so we're good now. Maybe he'll fix the defense. I don't know. Can he play linebacker? So there's that. The answer is no, by the way. He can barely play quarterback, much less linebacker. There's the fact that we have to play them next week. And um, it's always good to play a team. It, it depends. Now, there's always the danger of a guy like Tom Brady getting real upset and coming back and just wanting to thrash somebody. And that might play against a team like, let's say, the Raiders. Where there's a chance, you know, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are kind of down and out. They lost to the Bears. Raiders have won some games, man. That's the kind of game where I would pick the Raiders for that exact reason, and Tom Brady would come out and stomp their skull in, and I'd sit back and go, yeah, I should have seen that coming. Tom Brady's going to be real mad. He's going to destroy a team like the Raiders. Is he going to do that to the Packers, though? He's going to get all motivated and do what? With who? keep hearing about this elite Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And, and you know, maybe we want to brag about keeping the Bears down, but we really giving the credit to the Bucks defense on that one? Really? I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch the whole game, but I know their offensive line is garbage. So if we want to brag about, oh, the, the quarterback was under assault all day. Yeah, their offensive line is trash. 
Well, they locked it down, did they? Seemed like Allen Robinson didn't have that hard of a time. I mean, he had that little flub where he kicked the football out of his own hands, but other than that, he seemed like he was wide open just begging someone to throw him the ball. It was a missed touchdown to a wide-open Mooney, the rookie who apparently is the best rookie in football. I don't know. It's it's C.D. Lamb and Mooney. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's not even Lamb. It's Jefferson, I guess. But the fact of the matter, and, and, and look, you can also chalk it up. I know a lot of people say, well, Thursday football is always garbage football. Yeah, maybe. We can make all the excuses we want to make, but the fact of the matter is, garbage football or not, the New England Patriot Tom Brady team never, in 10 games, is going to win 10 times against the Bears on Thursday night. If we go back to, you know, even 2018, let's just call it 2018, you know, because 2019 was a little iffy, but even 2019 would have rocked the Bears 10 times out of 10. This is not the New England Patriots. And so, moving on to the next part about him screaming at his offensive line. I don't know that that plays in Tampa Bay. That'll fly in New England, but New England's got a different kind of culture. It's a very cold and dead environment where you got to leave your emotions at the door because the only thing that matters in New England is winning. And I will destroy your soul if you don't do what you're told because everything in New England is shut your mouth and do what you're told. And people either get it and they go on to succeed or they don't and they get shipped out. That's it. That's the way it is in New England. It's Listen, when we look at the guys that leave New England, the coaches, and they go elsewhere, and they what do they do? They turn around and they bring in Patriot players. Now, sarcastic people like me will look at it and say, yeah, it's because they don't know how to coach, they don't know what they're doing, so they just want to rebuild the New England Patriots and hope that they can have the same success. And there might be a little bit of truth to that. But a big part of the problem is you get a guy like Matt Patricia, who's an unproven commodity, going to a team like the Lions, who are a joke, and he's trying to put on this whole you know, Bill Belichick bravado, you come in here, you shut your mouth, you do what you're told, and you got a bunch of multi-millionaires making 10 times as much money as Matt Patricia's making, who have accomplished 10 times more in their career than Matt Patricia has, who are looking at Matt Patricia like, you shut your mouth, dude, you don't talk to me that way, right? This isn't 1984, you know, you, you can't just walk in here and be Mike Ditka and expect guys to just respond to that. They don't. The only place stuff like that seems to be working is, is New England, and again, it's because there's a culture here, and people want to be a part of it. Like, I, I don't like being talked to that way, but, I mean, it's the Patriots, dude. This is how it is. You come in here and you respect the process. The Lions, though? No. So what happens? They come in there, they start slamming their fist about dress code, even though you walk around like a slob, which is a separate issue. But still, you're slamming your fist about rules, and you show up on time, and you do this, and ah, I'm a big man. And people laugh at you, and they say you're a joke, and they try to force their way out, and they don't perform for you, and they don't like you, and they don't respect you. And what do you do? The next year you go out and you poach as many New England Patriot players as you can because you know that, hey, they, they know the rules because I have no ability to coach people and show them why they should listen to me or just change my approach because apparently that doesn't fly here, and I should probably just stop trying to copy Bill Belichick, and I should just you know be something else that would actually work. But again, you know, whatever. We're, we're, we're sticking with the, I'm just going to be Bill Belichick, we're going to be the Patriots, let's get some Patriot guys over here. Maybe they can kind of infiltrate the locker room and be like, no, man, we should listen. Rules are great. I love structure. You know, whatever. I don't know what the plan is. Something I'm assuming it's something to that effect. It's not going to work. Because even the ex-Patriot players who are taking a check from you probably don't respect you. But, you know, whatever. And so again, Tom Brady 
He's going over there where the coach doesn't act like that and the players don't act like that and they don't understand the process and there's no winning culture in Tampa Bay. Not since I was, you know, what, 13 years old and Tom Brady's going to walk off to a bunch of guys that are, you know, defeated and kind of like, yeah, I suck, the team sucks. I'm probably going to get replaced pretty soon, but I'm making a good amount of money. Just trying to put my best foot forward to feed my family, maybe get another check, probably be a backup somewhere, you know, stuff like that. Because this offensive line isn't great. These are not, you know, it's not what Brady is accustomed to, sitting in the pocket for 45 seconds if he, if he so chooses. So he's having a little prima donna meltdown. And again, I just don't think it plays well. I think rather than seeing the New England Patriot rebound, we're seeing Tom Brady lash out. And I think there's going to be a negative reaction. This guy's a jerk. Right? This isn't the guy that won us multiple Super Bowls, the guy that, you know, we've seen the good side. We just see this guy who comes in here thinks that he's, you know, the king of the universe. He's going to scream at me every time something goes wrong. Forget you, dude. Let me get my check and go see my family. I don't I don't need this. Could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe they'll have a big hug fest later. Brady, oh, you know, it's just competitive side of me, guys. I'm sorry. I love you. Like an abusive husband. You know I only hit you because I love you. Right? I don't know. I don't know what... what Tom Brady does after he has a little hissy fit. Probably I, He probably doesn't do that. He's got too much pride to apologize for being upset about perfection. So, I don't know. All around, very pleased. Yes, it does elevate the Bears a bit. Um, one thing that I do know that I've been saying is that the pass rush is for real. I don't know about the rest of the defense necessarily. The offense is a nightmare, with the exception of, you know, Allen Robinson, maybe a good running back and a good fourth-quarter quarterback. And look, if I thought the Bears-Packers game was going to be close, I'd be worried, you know? Like, if this, legitimately, if this was even like 2019, I'd be looking at it going, I don't know, man, the Packers keep games kind of close, and the Bears are really good, you know, at that last-minute comeback stuff. I'd be kind of nervous. The problem is, if you only show up in the fourth quarter, and it's 35-18 to by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, I don't know if you have it in you. I don't know about that. Especially since part of a comeback is we score a lot of points and you score zero points. All right, I'm going to score, and then you got to you got to knock it off, you know, and then we'll do it again. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to do that against the Bears defense. They're elite. Eh. Again, I'm I the pass. Khalil Mack is is back in in tip top shape. Last year he had a regression. And understand, when I say Khalil Mack took a step back, it's it's you take that Aaron Rodgers quote about a down year for me as a career year for most quarterbacks, which, let's be honest, not so sure about that. I mean, maybe. I, I don't want to do the homework because then I'm just going to, I don't want a, a whole trash Aaron Rodgers segment. It was a great quote. We're just going to leave it alone. But you can legitimately say that about Khalil Mack. He had a down year. It was a solid year. If Preston Smith played anywhere near Khalil Mack in 2019 on his quote-unquote down year, I would be doing backflips. It would be exciting beyond belief. It'll never happen. But he's he is back in tip-top shape. Um, not so sure about Robert Quinn. I don't know. I, there's some rumblings that he had a really good game. Um, he had a huge game week two against the Giants, but he kind of completely fell off after that. So hopefully there's not much going on there. But at the very least, Khalil Mack is very good. But still, I don't know that this is a super elite defense. I mean, PFF does have them fourth or seventh in points. That's cool, but at the same time, they've kind of played a lot of garbage teams. All you, all you can do is beat bad teams, right? Yeah, I, no, I get it, but again, if you play the Lions with no Galladay, the Giants with no Saquon, 
the Colts, who have not really shown to have a very good offense, and then the Falcons, who are the only team with a decent offense, and they hung 26 points on you. I don't know. I would expect a a top-five defense to do better than that. The fact that you're only seventh in points allowed and you faced a Galladay-less Lions, Saquon-less Giants, a Falcons team with zero running ability, and a Colts offense that just cannot get moving, I just, I don't know. I would expect a little bit more than than seventh. At a time in which offenses dominate the NFL, you've played some of the few teams that don't have an offense. Again, the Falcons do have an offense, but they, they got pretty close to 26. I mean, the Packers did better against the Falcons, so... There's that. In fact, interesting little tidbit here. The um, the Lions scored 23 points against the Bears. They scored 21 points against the Packers. The Falcons scored 26 points against the Bears. They scored 16 points against the Packers. The Packers' defense is struggling, yet the only teams that we've played in common, the Packers' defense has held up better. Well, the Saints hung 30 on you. Okay, what are they going to do to the Bears? We'll find out week 8. Yeah, the Vikings put up 34. That's true. It was week one and also possibly the best wide receiver duo in football. If Kirk Cousins goes off and lays those kinds of bombs on these wide receivers, you're telling me they can't put up 30 against the Bears? Maybe not. I don't know. But but what exactly is going to happen? Who's the elite Bear defender that's going to Well, Khalil Mack. What, what's he going to do? Is he going to cover Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? He's going to get a sack on every play? What What exactly is going to happen? When we talk about an elite Bears defense, who are we talking about? Khalil Mack is, is dominant. Grades aren't released yet, but but prior to this game, he had a almost, nearly 15% pressure rate, which is great. Only two sacks, but the pressure rate is, is solid. Hakeem Hicks is doing decent in terms of, of pressure, although he's grading out not very good. There are four people on this entire defense who have a positive grade. Two of them you would consider, I guess, starters. James Vauders off the edge, Khalil Mack off the edge, Brent Urban on the defensive line, and Mario Edwards on the defensive line. That's it. If you want to throw in Bilal Nichols along the defensive line, fine. The highest graded defensive back is Eddie Jackson, who's eighth. His overall grade is a 65. Bears fans hate hearing that. They want to believe he's the greatest safety in football. It's not true that he just had one good year. He's elite all the time, every time, no matter what. Can't tell me otherwise. The guy had one good year, got a massive paycheck, and that's it. That happens all the time. Eddie Jackson is another one of those guys. Shouldn't be all that shocking. He's a fourth-round pick who blew up the one year that everybody on this defense blew up. That's the only year. His highest grade overall this year was a 68.5 against the Giants. He has allowed eight receptions for 141 yards. He's given up 141 yards in four weeks. 118.8 passer rating when targeted. Zero interceptions, zero pass breakups. Zero pressures. He hasn't done anything to get to the quarterback. He doesn't get asked to do that often, but I'm just looking for something. He's a solid tackler, but, I mean, okay. These elite linebackers. Roquan Smith, 56 overall. Danny Trevathan, 37. Lowest graded player on the entire team. Buster Screen is bad. He's always been bad. Barcavius Mingo's bad. He's always been bad. Kyle Fuller, another. Oh, Kyle Fuller's elite. No, man, he was good one year. It was the year that everybody was good. He's had a couple good games. He was solid against Detroit and that team that had no wide receivers. He did a good job against Atlanta, but he is 12 of 27, which is a lot of targets. So kudos for only giving up 44%. But he's given up 133 yards. He's given up a touchdown. He does have a pick and two pass breakups, so that's cool. But, I mean, when the Giants can get uh, five 
receptions for 63 yards, 12.6 yards per reception. I mean, I don't know. Is that an elite corner? Give me somebody on this defense that's elite today, not 2018, right now, not named Khalil Mack. Who is it? A guy that's just solid all day, every day. He's going to show up. You have no concerns. Kyle Fuller's not that guy. His grade against Indy was a 40. A 40. Kyle Fuller ain't that guy. Now, look, I keep talking about the Chiefs and how they don't have anybody, but look, the Chiefs' defense is is doing a great job. Maybe that's the Bears. They don't need everybody to be elite. They got enough decent players to run the scheme, and they're just not going to allow a lot of points. They got a great defensive coordinator. They'll figure it out. Okay, fine. But that doesn't scare me when you have the number one offense in football. That might play again against the 2019 Packers or 2018 or 2017 or 2016 or 2015. But I don't know about the 2019 Packers, man. You got to do something different. You have to actually be very, very, very good. It's not going to play to just have good enough guys and a really smart defensive coordinator and a, and a pass rusher that's getting a half a sack a game. That's not good enough. So I'm, I'm beyond excited. We needed the Bears to win this because I don't think the Bears are a very good team. I shouldn't say we needed the Bears. to. Again, either way, it's a win. But if there's a threat in the NFC, and there aren't many, you could argue Tampa. I haven't been arguing that, but a lot of people have, and I have to think a lot of them are going to be rethinking that. And I'm guessing I don't have to pull up a clip because I've been saying this pretty much every day since Tom Brady went to Tampa and everybody just elevated them to the top. I've been telling you constantly, nope, they don't belong up there. They have to prove that they belong up there. They should have to earn that a little bit, and they haven't. Tampa Bay played the Saints and got wrecked. The Saints aren't a bad team, but they're not even what they were last year. And they absolutely got smoked 34-23. to They nearly lost to the Chargers. The only two teams they put a hurting on were the Broncos and the Panthers. Whoop-dee-doo. Nearly lost to the Chargers. Got destroyed by the Saints and now just lost to the Bears. And they've got the Packers coming up? I'm sorry. You're not going to win that game! They've also got the Raiders, coincidentally. I don't know that they win that game. The Giants, I'm sure they'll destroy the Giants. Oh, they're a powerhouse. Look at this defense. Oh, my goodness, Tom Brady. And then they're going to smoke by the Saints again. And then they'll embarrass the Panthers. Oh, my goodness, they're so good. And then they're going to lose to the Rams, and they're going to lose to the Chiefs, and then they got a bye week. They're going to come out. They might lose to the Vikings, probably beat the Falcons and the Lions and the Falcons. They'll win their last three. Congratulations. You're a mediocre team. Maybe you'll limp into the playoffs. Probably not. Whatever. They're 3-2. and two. They've played four bad teams and beat three of them. I told you I wasn't scared of Tampa Bay. I was scared of Minnesota. I was scared of Detroit. I was very scared of the Saints. Not quite as scared of the Falcons until we learned everybody was hurt. Then I started getting a little bit nervous. But otherwise, eh. Tampa Bay? Nah. And we'll see what happens with injuries. The same situation. Devontae's still out and everybody's still out. Yeah, I'm going to panic a little bit. But what in the world am I scared of for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They've got some good players. There's no question they got some good players. Levante David. Now, he's not a good run-defending linebacker. We're going to steamroll his face when we run the football. But in coverage, yeah, you better watch out, man. He's no joke. Oh, Mike Edwards is graded out really well. If you look at this, this PF, the PFF grades, I'll tell you what. Dude, Mike Edwards played one game. Played one game against Denver. You know what his grade was in 2019? A 58. I'm not worried about that, so that one doesn't count. Uh, Vita Vea has been pretty good. Yeah, he has. Strangely, he's been solid as a pass rusher. 6'4", 350 pounds, but okay. The other guy that's graded out well is Kevin Minter. Why? Again, one good game. Is he a good football player? No, he's not. He's never been a good football player ever. Not worried about Kevin Minter. So I'm just going through the guys that are grading out well. 
There's four of them. I'm taking maybe two of them seriously. Vita Vea, who's going into his third year. He's at a progression every year. This is, this is you know, he, he took a big step in year two. He seems to be taking another step in year three. And a big step as a pass rusher, which if you can be a 350-pound pass rusher, that's, that's impressive. Unfortunately, his run defense is not what you'd want, but whatever. You'll take that trade off. And Levante David, again, solid in coverage. So you got to worry about it a little bit. Okay, but who's going to stop the run? Vita Vea hasn't been that good at it, despite being a 350-pound nose tackle. Levante David is not good at it. The only guy that is an actual starter that's been good against the run is Carlton Davis, who is a cornerback. Well, they got Devin White, don't they? Devin White is trash. Devin White is terrible. Devin White is no different than Roquan. He is a guy that comes into the NFL, early first-round pick. He flashes athleticism all over the field because he's wildly athletic. Everybody says he's an elite linebacker. Everybody keeps saying that. But he's not good. He's never been good. He's an early first-round pick linebacker. He's garbage. He's a good pass rusher. Terrible in coverage. Terrible against the run. That's it. He's going to come on a couple blitzes. Watch out. Again, it's not a bad defense, but it's not to the level where I'm saying, oh man, we're done. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers completely carved up the Falcons with nobody. Well, the Falcons don't have anybody. Oh, really? They have a pretty good coverage linebacker. Maybe not quite Levante David, but let's take the Falcons' defense and what the Packers are able to do against them, or the Saints' defense for that matter, which is every bit as good as this this uh, Tampa Bay defense. But let's bring back our number one wide receiver. Let's get some of these guys healthy. Remember, Corey Lindsley was injured. Elton Jenkins is injured. A lot of these other guys aren't coming back, unfortunately. Lazard, DeGuara. But still, best of luck. You've got maybe one decent corner in the entire group of DBs? Was Jamal Dean going to shut down Devontae and that's just, that's it? It's game over now? I don't know, whatever. I did. Again, I'm just happy to see it. They lost to the Bears. Don't need to say anything else. And no, that doesn't mean I'm scared of the Bears now. Because I'm not. Um, anyways, the, the only other thing that happened when I woke up, getting all the way back to that... Two separate people. So this must have come up somewhere. Somebody mentioned it somewhere because it's too big of a coincidence. Two people messaged me, Jimmy G to the Bears. And at least one of them phrased it exactly that way. I don't remember exactly what the other message said, but it, I, I took it as this this happened. Like for some reason, like after this game, the Bears were so disgusted, they called up Jimmy G and just made a trade. At some point last night while I was sleeping at like midnight, they're like, all right, let's pull the trigger on this. Turns out it didn't happen, but it freaked me out. You know, you're pretty fuzzy when you first wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and grab your phone like, wait, what is going on? When I saw that second message saying the exact same thing, I'm I'm like prowling Twitter. Like, what is, tell me, Ian. Give it to me straight, man. Tell me the news. The only thing I found was one other guy on Twitter saying the Bears are going to offer Dak Prescott a billion dollars next year. I'll be honest, though, man. I, I don't know that that scares me. In fact... That might even be, I don't want to say best case scenario. Best case scenario would be they draft another quarterback and he's horrible. But, and I don't want to fully say Jimmy Garoppolo is a system quarterback, but he's not a guy that really scares you. What does he do that's really scary? What's scary about the 49ers is their offensive scheme. I'm scared of Kyle Shanahan and what he's going to do to get George Kittle open. I'm worried about that rushing offense that they have. It's not really Jimmy G. I mean, he's fine. He's kind of like Tom Brady in that he works in a really talented and scary system with a great coach, 
Except I don't think he's as talented as Tom Brady. In fact, it's kind of comical to even say that he might be, because he isn't. So if the Bears want to do what the Bears have been doing, which is to um, concede the fact that they just have no ability to draft, which, again, I don't know if I even agree with that. I think Pace has done a decent job drafting. I think he just hates doing it. Some, I don't know. He's just like, nah, I don't feel like it. Let's just give away all these picks. Ryan, pa- Ryan Pace is doing exactly what fans want GMs to do. They want every single fan that I've talked to, with the exception of a handful, believe the best way to build a team is to just trade away your picks for a proven commodity. Well, you're not going to get a guy that good anyway, so you might as well just trade the picks for something that's proven. How well did that work out for Khalil Mack? Well, he's great. Right, how's the rest of the team doing? You have a team right now that's Khalil Mack and nobody, and a large part of the reason that that's the fact is because your GM keeps giving away all your picks. You drafted a running back in the later rounds. He's pretty good. You drafted a wide receiver in the middle rounds. He's pretty good. You've got a track record of finding guys in the draft that are not terrible. I don't think you're the worst drafter ever, but you keep giving away all your picks. So yeah, if you want to further destroy your cap by overpaying for somebody and want to give away even more picks, although I would hate to see the 49ers get them, but whatever, so that you can get Jimmy Garoppolo. You want to pay this man $38 million a year and not have picks for another two years because you just hate first-round picks? By all means, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I really am. This, this, is, this is Ryan Pace refusing to acknowledge the actual issue and putting a Band-Aid on this cancer that is the Chicago Bears. There are deeper issues here. If anything, you need to be selling. Sell off some play- Sell off Allen Robinson. Don't pay him. Forget it, man. It's over. Rebuild time. Pick somebody. I mean, if you want to keep Allen Robinson, fine. Trade Khalil. Trade Akeem Hicks. Trade somebody. Get a bunch of picks and start drafting young, talented players and give this another two years to rebuild it. I don't think you have a terrible head coach. I don't know. Maybe he is. He did a fantastic job that first year. Is he the issue, or can we get a a, a competent quarterback that knows how to throw a football, and maybe we can continue scheming guys open, and maybe we can make this thing work? Trade that no good safety. See if anybody else wants to give you a first-round pick for that. Maybe somebody else is out there that's, that's dumb enough to actually believe he's a good football player. They'll give you a high pick for him. Start trading away these big-name guys that aren't producing. Get a bunch of picks and, and do it that way. If you want to go the other route, again, sabotaging your, your salary cap and giving away your picks, I, am, I will wholeheartedly sign off on that. That's all they've done, and look at them. They traded away everything to get Trubisky. They traded away everything to get Khalil. They paid a bunch of money for Robinson. They paid for all their wide receivers. They keep paying for wide receivers and wide receivers and wide receivers and wide... They keep paying and paying and paying and paying and paying. It's not doing anything. Paid a bunch of money for Jimmy Graham. That was the other thing that was hilarious about Jimmy Graham. Jimmy's... Jimmy has kind of reverted back to what he was with Seattle. And there's a good mix of, ha-ha, Jimmy's garbage, and, oh, why couldn't Jimmy be this good for us? In my, uh, my DMs and whatnot, which is kind of comical. I don't know, man. It doesn't matter. Either way, he's not worth what they're paying him. But they paid him that. He's not worth that. It's a terrible strategy. Fans are wrong when they say that that's what GM should do, and the Bears are living proof of that. Don't give away all your picks for some proven commodities, because you need a lot more than one or two players. And if you're going to give away everything, use up all your cap space, and give away all your picks to get like two really good players, you're not going to win. I mean, unless you're trading for Russell Wilson and, and his head coach comes with him, yeah, maybe they can drag the team. They're not going to win a Super Bowl with that. 
but they'll win a bunch of games and you'll get a bunch of accolades and I mean, man, Schneider, Schneider still gets a ton of credit for being a great GM. Why? Because they win games. Because he was he was good enough to know to pick Russell Wilson, apparently. And at one point, he had built the Legion of Boom. And he will just forever be seen as a great GM, apparently. Okay. I'm not worried because we're not in any of these predicaments right now. We have a very, very good GM who's doing a solid job drafting. Not perfect. Because no GM is perfect, and I'm, I'm kind of tired of doing it, but since some people keep complaining, I may do it again, go back and look at, oh, how is everybody's draft doing? Based on the criteria of Packer fans, not one person had a good draft. Because the criteria of a good draft is nobody should suck. Hate to tell you, if you get like one or two guys that are really good, you had a great draft. Well, the Packers have nobody that's good. You don't know that. They're not contributing. But again, our quarterback isn't contributing because we have a very good quarterback. Our running back isn't contributing because we have two very good running backs. Our tight end wasn't contributing because we have, uh, first of all, a breakout tight end, and second of all, he's been injured. Now he's done for the year. Our linebacker hasn't been playing because he's hurt. The offensive lineman, especially eh, one of them, I don't remember which one now, don't feel like looking it up, was looking really promising. However, he happens to be sitting behind one of the best offensive lines, arguably the best offensive line in football. So he's not getting a whole heck of a lot of opportunities. That doesn't mean any of them are bad. It means our our team is so good, they're not given the opportunity right now. The question is, when the time comes, are they going to step up? I, I hate to even talk about it, but if we're able to move on from Aaron Jones and not have to pay him and save a bunch of money so that we can have a a good salary cap and continue to go out and get quality players and everything else because A.J. Dillon and A.J. Dillon's a good football player, it was the right pick. If Aaron Rodgers does this for another three, four years and then leaves and and Jordan Love can step in and be a very good quarterback in this system, that was a good pick. If Josiah DeGuara, which granted it's going to be tough to come back from that level of injury that he had, but if he does, he comes back strong and takes over, that was a good pick. Because life isn't about 2020. In fact, when you draft, it's it's very little about that year. Everybody wants it to be about that year. Very rarely does somebody come out year one and just dominate. Even first-round picks usually take some time, unless you're getting, you know, Nick Bosa. Why can't everyone Nick Bosa did it? Dude, he is a freak. People aren't built like him. Nobody is, is Nick Bosa. Except maybe his brother and Khalil Mack and, and Chase Young. Right? <laughs> These are generational talents, man. And by the way, he's much better than his brother. Anyways, I'm off on all kinds of tangents again. I need to cut myself off. we got to take a break so that we can talk about some other stuff on the other side. I do want to take a minute to say thank you very much to um, all the people that have been helping to... Man, there's just there's so much stuff, man. I've seen messages from people saying, hey, I've been reaching out to my friends and family. Again, if everybody just told two people, it's, it's, it's over with, man. I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be. The numbers are going to be... They're going to be right. Um, again, if everybody gave a dollar, and I've been saying that forever, obviously assuming I'm not going to get 4,000 people to give a dollar a month, but I don't know, very few people are actually giving a dollar, they're giving so much more, just blown away, I think, I think that's, I've, I've been so, I've probably been overbearing and annoying, but I can't explain to you the amount of motivation I've had, and the reason I'm so motivated, the reason I'm going in so many different directions is because it feels real to me, that this could actually be a thing that happens for me. Maybe not in the near future, but at some point, I might actually be able to do this. And the only reason I feel that way is because of all of you for the 
amount of people that have supported me on Patreon, the amount of people who have reached out on Venmo, not just to say, here, take my money and shut up, but to say, here's a donation, and, you know, first of all, I support you in wanting to do this full-time, you deserve it, which is ridiculous. I can't imagine people even saying that. But also how much they love the show. How many people have gone out on Twitter and made it their mission? I'm going to use Twitter, and my number one mission is to get Pack Daddy more recognition so he can, you know, do this full-time. People who've gone out of their way to message friends and family. So, I apologize for being annoying and for constantly begging you to do this and then this and then this and then what about this and how about this. It's because I'm, I'm, I'm doing a million different things right now because I'm, I'm, I'm all in, man. What I'm saying is this is your fault. <laughs> You're encouraging me. But it's, it's, it's beyond overwhelming, the amount of support. And uh, there's a long way to go, but um, again... The support that I've gotten from everybody is fantastic. And, you know, seeing it on the other side, there are people that are that are doing it. You know, uh, Tom Grassi just exploded, and he has a massive amount of support, and it's great to see. Um, Bukowski, I, not only has he talked about his download numbers, which, of course, he's been on top for a long time, but I'm, I know of a way to, to look at at least what he's reporting his numbers are, and they're fantastic. And the, the really exciting thing is my numbers right now are what his numbers were not very long ago. I remember when mine were about half of what they are now. And I saw Bukowski sitting at about my numbers and saying, man, I'd love to be where he is. And I'm there now. And so I'm looking at it going, dude, could I really? Be? I mean, he, he took a massive jump, but I'm still looking at it going, that was like a year ago. Could I be where he is next year? It's clearly not impossible. He did it. So there's there's so many different uh, external things. Um, and anyways... I'll shut up now, but thank you. One other thing, though. I'm going to be annoying now. Uh, I put this up on Facebook and whatnot, the flick chat thing that I've been telling you about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you don't see it on Facebook or you don't have it, please message me. Don't think you're being annoying. Everybody just messages me. It's fine. I don't mind. Especially when you're trying to help me out. Feel free to message me anytime you want. But it is an app that you have to download. But outside of that, it's just a really fun community. I'm, I'm trying to do a better job of whenever there's news, I post it in there. And it's it's kind of like a Facebook group slash Twitter. The way I think about it is, it's like Facebook Twitter. Facebook Twitter. I'm a dummy. It's like Packers Twitter. If Packers Twitter was what everybody wanted Packers Twitter to be, which is just Packers Twitter. That's kind of what it is. On top of also having live stats and polls and quizzes and stuff right in there. And again, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm moving a lot of stuff over there. So questions for the show, topics and all that stuff, it's in Flick Chat. Giveaways. I'm doing an Iron Jock giveaway. It's, it's team of the week this week. It's only in Flick Chat. If you want to win an Iron Jock, I'm giving away two hoodies. You've got to get in Flick Chat. All you got to do is pick a team that's going to win by the biggest margin. On top of that, I am doing a cash giveaway. And I'm, I'm going to keep, I've got some other ideas on how to get some uh, some cool things going on in there. But it's a very simple way to do it. And again, I, I, I'm already getting the impression not a lot of people are into this, despite the fact that if it was me, I'd be all over it. But all I need is one guy to go nuts and be like, yeah, I'm all in. Like we got with the, uh, the you know, submit me a picture thing. One person took that bull by the horns and he's about to win himself a hoodie. Very simple way to win money. And you win as much money as you want. It's not like, hey, the winner gets 10 bucks. I'm giving away 50 cents for every person that you invite. If you invite, probably impossible, but just to give you an example, you can invite a thousand people. I'm giving you $500. It's that simple, right? Invite a million people. I don't, what, I don't care. Now, the reason is because I get 50 cents basically for, for inviting people. But essentially, I'm just giving you that money back. 
So I want you to join for that reason. I want you to invite people for that reason. But I, the person who invites the most people, the money that I get, I'm giving it right back to you. Everybody else, I'm keeping it. Sorry. That's just the way it goes, man. I'm a selfish, horrible person. I, you know, I can't help it. But, but just let that marinate. I know some of you guys need it. There are people that are out of work. You got medical bills. You got credit card debt. Christmas is not that far away. And I know how expensive that gets. All you have to do is invite people. Get creative. Print flyers. Figure it out. All they have to do, you get your own link. So you come into my Flick Chat. Again, there's links everywhere. I keep posting it all over the place. When you click invite, they're going to give you your own code. Invite somebody, you get 50 cents. I know there's some people out there that want this badly. It just, all you need is some motivation. And you make as much money as you want. It's possible if you invite too many people, we bankrupt Flick Chat, and then we've got a little bit of a legal issue on our hands as far as me not paying you because I don't have a half million dollars. And if Flick Chat doesn't either, then we're in trouble. Although, again, I think it's by FanDuel, so they'll probably be okay with it. They could probably foot that bill. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Go get the money. Invite 5,000 people. 2500 bucks. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. Again, just trying to garner up some motivation. I do stuff like this thinking people are going to get excited, and they're like, nah, I'll join, but I'm good. It's like, <laughs> dude! Okay, I get, I, all right. If you're that well off, then sorry. Thought maybe you wanted to send your kid to college or something, but no, nah, that's fine. Anyways, got to stop. Taking a break. On the other side of the break, we're talking about Jair. Because, um, I mean, I just want to feel good about my life, so let's talk about Jair. We'll be right back. So as a reminder, if you have received, I'm going to reach out to some people. That's on my list of things to do because I want to know in person. But um, if you have received an Iron Jock hoodie so far, uh, I would love to be able to hear from you to get the people out there to know what they're doing. I know some of you, uh, by the way, have, have ordered from Iron Jock. I greatly appreciate that. Feel free to reach out, man. Let me know what you think when you end up getting it, um, especially if you ordered something outside of a hoodie. If you got a shirt or something, I want to know because I'm, I'm very much on the verge of being ready to buy another one. At the very least, i got a birthday and Christmas coming up. I'll put that on my list, you know, see what Santa comes back with. But again, they got polos, they got vests, they got workout shirts, short sleeves, long sleeves, they got sweatshirts, shorts, socks, and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. They are a men's athletic company, but I promise you, ladies, there's nothing wrong with it. I have to fight my daughter for my own hoodie. She does cross country and stuff. She wants to, she's very into like athletic wear type stuff. She, she's all over this. And again, not only is it great because it is a Wisconsin-based company and they're very motivated to, to put out great quality and, and to get their name out there and it's really comfortable and all that stuff. It's high tech, which sounds weird when we're talking about cloth, but it's literally high tech. It's, it's chemistry and all kinds of crazy stuff. The fabric is infused with silver ion. When that gets wet, it gets activated. So when you sweat... Silver ion is released and all the bacteria and everything is killed, annihilated, massacred, gone forever. So that stench doesn't ever brew because that's essentially all that is. You get the bacteria and all that stuff that just kind of festers in there. starts to, you know, smell like someone that's been running around for a while. I know, you know, I take walks during my lunch break and, you know, when it gets super hot outside, sometimes I come back and it's like, man, this is not a great situation. You don't want to be like in a hospital slash office environment and just smell like sweat. It's not great. But again, their fabric, what, what they have is called Enduratec fabric. It is a proprietary fabric to Iron Jock. It is wicking and fast drying. It is breathable, anti-static, which again is one of my favorite features. It sounds ridiculous, but it's amazing. As well as odor eliminating, as I said. They also have Enduratec Plus, which is water repellent fabric, as well as all that other stuff in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jacket. Please give these guys a chance. 
Um, and also make sure you get into Flick Chat because I, I just want to get these in, in as many people's hands as possible. I take pride walking around in my Iron Jock hoodie, and um, I look forward to, in the very near future, being able to see multiple people walking around in Iron Jock apparel because I think in, in very short order that's going to happen. I'm very excited for this company. Uh, I think they got some, some big stuff ahead of them. So please check them out, ironjock, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. See what they got if there's anything that interests you. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we all know how well um, Jair has been doing. I've, I've mentioned that and as well as other people. Um, we talk about how cool it is that uh, he kind of shut down Calvin Ridley. The other interesting thing to look at, though, is the stark contrast for Calvin Ridley for every other game this year. He played against Seattle, had nine receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns. He played Dallas, had seven receptions for 109 yards and two touchdowns. He played Chicago, had five receptions, 110 yards. He played Green Bay, zero receptions, zero yards. His worst game was against Chicago, where he caught five passes for 110 yards. 22 yards per reception, 19 yards after the catch. He converted four first down. He had a 63-yard reception in that game. You look at week three against the Bears, he went up against Kyle Fuller. You think, well, Kyle would have shut him down. Three of his five receptions came against Kyle Fuller. Four targets, he broke up one pass, three were caught for 31 yards. His 63-yard reception came against Mr. Eddie Jackson, that elite safety. He had also one additional catch on Jalen Johnson for 16 yards. Calvin Ridley specifically tore up Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. That accounted for four of his receptions and 94 of his 110 yards, Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. Dallas wasn't any different. He, he beat everybody. Safety, Daryl Worley, Chidobi Awuzie, Trayvon Diggs, Jordan Lewis. The two outside corners and their slot corner. 
The two top corners, Diggs and Awuzie, gave up five of his seven receptions for 82 yards and one of his two touchdowns. Calvin Ridley's killing everybody. Seattle, well, they don't have very good football players. Really? Didn't they go out and get Quentin Dunbar? I thought he was supposed to be elite. Remember that? Where you just go out and you you pay money and stuff and you get these guys who are good for a year and then they're dominant. Five targets, three receptions, 56 yards. Well, Shaquille Griffin's pretty good. Four targets, four receptions, 55 yards. And a touchdown. Anybody else? He also matched up against Bobby Wagner once. One target, one reception for 12 yards, because why not? Marquise Blair in the slot, because, you know, just for fun. We'll put him in the slot. One target, one reception, seven yards. He beat everybody. Not Jair, though. By the way, he was targeted four times. Also should give a shout-out to uh, Adrian Amos. The only target was that one pass breakup. Also, one target, zero receptions against Mr. Darnell Savage. That one was a drop. So, still, nothing. Three straight 100-yard games. One of the hottest receivers. Not even kidding. One of the best receivers in all of football through three weeks. Zero receptions. That's unbelievable. And it's not a coincidence that Jair Alexander happens to be the highest-graded corner in football, and he graded out 87.5 while lining up the majority of the time against one of the best receivers in football in 2020. And we talk about week three also. It's it's no different. You look at Alvin Kamara. Well, he completely carved us up. It was a nightmare. 139 yards and two touchdowns receiving. He had 13 receptions for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that's true. He also had 95 yards receiving against uh, the Raiders and 51 and a touchdown against uh, Tampa Bay and whatnot. Still... What did he do against Jair, since that will, that's what we're talking about here? One target, one reception, negative two yards. Granted, Alvin Kamara doesn't generally line up out wide by Jair, but, I mean, I don't have much to work with. He was only targeted twice. That's one of the guys. Doesn't work when you go out by Jair. Contrast that with what he did in week four against Amani Aruarie, the cornerback. One target, one reception for 29 yards. Or how about LaMarcus Joyner um, for the Raiders in the slot? Three targets, three receptions, 28 yards. The real damage largely came from Will Redmond. Two receptions for 73 yards. Otherwise, Ty Summers, five targets, five receptions, 43 yards. Chris Barnes, two receptions, 14 yards. Preston gave up one for eight. Oren gave up one for three. That's it. Redmond got worked. And it was mostly all yards after the catch on that. But there's also Emmanuel Sanders. In week four, Emmanuel Sanders had nine targets, six receptions, 93 yards. He caught two passes against Trufant for uh, 16 yards. He caught one against Akuda for 19. He caught one against Jamie Collins for 15. He caught uh, one against Amani Aruarie for 18. He caught one against Daryl Roberts for 25. He caught four passes against the Packers. Three of, them, three of them were against Kevin King. One of them was against Ty Summers. He got thrown at once against Jair. Jair broke it up. In the last three weeks, the only guy that he's um, been thrown to in which he didn't have a pass was Jair and LaMarcus Joyner, and on that play for LaMarcus, it was a drop. So, again, Jair is standing out, not just in terms of what he's doing, but the question will also always want to come back to, yeah, but who's he gone up against? Okay, so let's look at it from the other standpoint. Let's look at it from the standpoint of, what are these guys doing when they're not facing Jair? And the fact of the matter is, they're doing better. Nobody stands out more than Calvin Ridley, but it's it just everybody you pick. They have much better days when they're not going up against Jair. Alvin Kamara kills everybody, including corners, but he doesn't want to play with Jair. One reception for negative two yards. 
Emmanuel Sanders, he's been doing pretty well, including against the Packers. He carved up Kevin King. He's beaten a bunch of other guys on other teams. Targeted once against Jair, and Jair broke it up. Yeah, but you don't want to talk about week one against Adam Thielen. That was rough, man. It was it was a battle. He did give up four receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. And again, that touchdown reception, blanket coverage. I don't know that you can get much better. But he also did have an interception while t- targeting Adam Thielen. So on six targets, one of them was a bad throw. One of them was an interception. Four of them were caught for 66 yards. It's also fair to point out that Adam Thielen has been a pretty good wide receiver for a while, including going eight receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown this past week against Houston. Again, it was a battle, man. He won four times, largely because of great passes to a really talented receiver. It's not an excuse. It just is what it is. He's good. He won most of the time against... Well, I shouldn't even say most of the time. When he was targeted, he won most of the time. Kudos to Thielen. Not worried about it. But as always, again, the, the biggest thing is going to be consistency, and I'm, I'm always nervous. And Jair's going to have a bad day. The, the point isn't never have a bad day. The point is we can't have this, you're really good one day, and then the next day it's like, oh, I guess he's not that good. Because at the end of the day, if you play 16 games and eight of them are, are good and eight of them are really bad, you're just not good. That's all there is to it. Good football players don't play poorly eight games out of the year. I think last year, again, he had two games in a row where he played well, so it was seven or eight bad games. That's not acceptable, man. That's That's not what makes you a good corner. Good corners don't just have flashes. Darrell Darrell Rivas didn't flash. Richard Sherman didn't flash occasionally good game. He locked people down every single week. If if he's going to take that step and be the guy that a lot of people, not just Packer fans, there's a lot of big national media people who couldn't care less about a lot of guys, hardly ever want to talk about the Packers unless they're trashing Aaron Rodgers. They're coming out of the woodwork to say, dude, this Jair guy... I've been watching a lot of tape. This guy's special, and he's going to be something big one day. He could be the next great. He has that upside. We know he has that upside. And really, all it comes down to, it's not a matter of he has to take a step. He's already there. We just need consistency. Keep this up. If you have one or two bad games, forgiven. You can't just start falling off every other game, though. This is a very, very special performance from a very, very special cornerback. And um, if he can keep it up, man, the, the sky's the limit. Having a lockdown cornerback on a team is huge. If we add Zadarius stepping up, you don't need everybody to be perfect if you have a lockdown corner and a top-tier pass rusher, especially considering this offense we have. It's not perfect, but is it enough to win a Super Bowl? You better believe it is. So, anyways, I got to go. Again, as always, way over time. Uh, one more time, just want to say thank you guys so much for all the support. It's beyond overwhelming. Sorry I'm obnoxious sometimes, but let's face it, I'm trying to be obnoxious to help you sometimes too, like, you know, trying to give you some free hoodies, literally just giving you money to please do what I'm asking you to do. Getting in the Facebook group is is fun, right? Whatever. So anyways, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.